I'm Daniel Chacon. Welcome to Words on a Wire. Today I am talking to Dr. Rosa Alcala, poet, translator, scholar, and the new chair of the Department of Creative Writing right here at the University of Texas, El Paso. Stick around and uh, find out why she decided to be department chair, what she's going to do, and uh, what challenges she may face as a poet being a department chair. Rosa Alcala, welcome to Words on a Wire. Hi, thank you for having me. You were on the show how many years ago? Quite a few. I don't know how many, but it's been quite a few. Yeah, I lose yeah. track of how long we've been doing the show, but I do know that this, I, I believe, at least I'm considering this our 12th season. So it's great yeah. to have you back. You've and, invited and, me more than once, but, you know, I've always been busy and there's schedules and stuff, but I'm so glad that we can do this today. Yeah, every time you have a book come out, uh, I want to invite you on the show. You have some, some great books. You have Undocumentaries. That was, I think, your first full-length book of poems. Mm-hmm. And The Lust of Unsentimental Waters, which, by the way, is one of my favorite titles in all of poetry. I just love saying that over and over again. And then My Other Tongue, which uh, is, uh, wow, it's just an amazing book. Your second favorite title? (laughs) No, no. The the title isn't what I love. I love the poems in that one. Thank you. (laughs) Not that I didn't love the poems in the other one. But uh, and then you've been doing you've just been so busy these last I don't know how many years that we've been working together as colleagues. And we want you on the show today because you're about to do something that is going to, I don't know, maybe change the trajectory, at least temporarily of your career. You're going to be chair of the Department of Creative Writing or actually you are by the time this airs, you will be chair of the Department of Creative Writing. How are you feeling about that? I'm feeling good. I'm feeling excited. Um, You know, I think it would be abnormal if I didn't feel a little bit nervous, which I do, because there's so much to learn. um, And I know that it's going to impact my time in various ways. Um, But I'm, I'm ready. Yeah, I'm ready. Well, you've been you've been you've been part you've been my colleague now for I don't know how many years, and you've served in various positions, and you've done a lot of service before. But this is a little bit different. <laughs> I mean, this is you know obviously a lot more work, and we've seen also uh, that Netflix series, The Chair. <laughs> you know, right. and so I'm wondering, what is it? Do you think is uh, it's what 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 is it going to be like? What do you think the greatest challenges are going to be for you as department chair and somebody who still wants to write poetry, do translation, have a family, and have uh, otherwise a life? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think the first year it, the, the challenges are going to be just to figure out how to do it and how to run the department, right? right. And I think the best thing that I could do um, as I'm learning to run to the department is to listen to, to faculty, to students and see what we need, right? right? Because I think that you did an excellent job in the last four years advocating for the students and for faculty. 
And, you know, I continue to be faculty as do you. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that that's really the way that you run a department is to see, you know, what does the department need rather than have an overarching vision or right. to impose an overarching vision. Oh, that's um, I think that the vision has to, I mean, the, the vision, you know, I, like you said, I've been here since um, 2004. So I can see, you know, how we've grown, how, how this department has been built and not, you know, thanks to a lot of other people as well. And, um, and I can see other things that perhaps we can do. Um, so I could suggest directions and I can suggest things, but I think it's important also to listen. And, you know, and I don't want that to, to be kind of this platitude of just like, I will listen. That's a very sort of uh, political My door thing. is always open. My door is always <laughs> open. But I think I have to, because I haven't been in this position before, I have to both see what's possible and then listen to what's needed and see if those two things can come together. Right. Yeah, I, th I remember when I first started department chair, my friends and my family would always tell me, you are so obsessed, just, you know, you're always thinking about chair. And I, and I didn't believe them. But after my first year, I realized how nervous I was and sure. how I was always just checking everything to make sure it's okay. And every email that I got, I thought needed my top priority. It took me a, right. a, a year to, to really kind of get comfortable in the position. How long do you think it's going to take you? Because <laughs> I know you, you're just starting. Uh, it's actually officially, as we're recording this, it's my last day. So we, you officially- Yeah, congratulations. Oh, thank you. But you've been doing a lot, a lot of work these last, uh, uh, throughout the summer. So, I mean, uh, uh, are you nervous? Do you think that, uh, I mean, are, do you, are you able yet to, to, uh, to to relax and have some writing time and some relaxing time, or are you starting no. to? <laughs> no, I mean, this pandemic year has not been good for my writing. You know, I had a kid at home who was doing remote learning full time. So it's not like the writing has suddenly stopped because I'm chair. I mean, I think it's slowed down, mm -hmm. um, but I'm still setting aside time. I mean, I think I need to prioritize writing if I'm going to be a good model for the department right, right. Um, because that's what we do. And I, and I always tell my students, you know, even if it's 15 minutes, you know, that make that a priority so that your writing's there. So I am uh, trying to get back to writing more regularly um, by setting aside some time. But I do know, and I have to sort of be, you know, fair to myself that, you know, the rhythms of, of life change over time and that there are times like now where I have to put more focus on one thing than another. And I think in the last few weeks, I really had to learn things like the budget. Mm -hmm. um, and I've met with you more than once before, before this um, to do that. But really the last two weeks have been thinking about what do I need to do in the transition, which will begin tomorrow. So the first day is really uh, not the first day, as you know. <laughs> right. um, it, there's been things leading up to it. But, it. but interestingly, even the meeting we had yesterday, I felt like things were beginning to click, like, oh, I kind of understand how how that works. So I feel like I'm, you know, I'm I'm starting in a in a good place, but I just know that the first few months, if not the entire first year, 
um, will take up more of my time and maybe more time away from other things um, because there's going to be that steep learning curve. Um, but the writing still has to be there, right? Because yeah. I still have to be connected to the thing that we do as a department. Um, and of course, I'm still a mother and I'm still a partner and I still have this family life um, that has to be a, a priority. So figuring out how I balance that, um, we'll see, but I've done it in the past. I mean, I've, you know, it's not the first time I'm in a situation where I have to think about how to balance all of this. You know, what I, what I found is there's a lot of, uh, I, I, let me reference that, that, that Netflix show again, the chair, you know, <laughs> right. um, it's supposed to be a tier one institution. Right. Yeah. And we uh -huh. are a tier one institution, but it's a tier uh -huh. one institution that is beginning to lose or doesn't really have the same prestige as a Harvard or other tier, tier one institutions. Right. And really, when it comes down to it, what matters to those professors more than anything is teaching. I see no care at all about their own scholarship or about mm. their own activities. It's like, that doesn't even exist. It's all just going back to the teaching, going back to the teaching. And I'm not quite sure that's an accurate portrayal of faculty in a tier one institution. Right. Faculty in tier one institutions tend to really be focused on their work and teach, you know, not that they don't love to teach, um, but being chair kind of, what I find is there's a lot of faculty members or a lot of people who become chair who, kind of just forget about their their work and they start mm -hmm. to 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 live their lives based on uh, I don't want to say platitudes but based on you know well what's best for the department what's best for the students let's do this for the students let's do this for the students but in that they kind of lose focus on their own work and what ends up happening <laughs> is they begin to do chair full time and it's supposed to be a 50% job, not a 100% job, but they end up doing right. their full time. And if you send yeah. them an email at midnight, they respond by midnight 03. <laughs> and right. then they find themselves with ambitions for other administrative positions, perhaps because they're getting used to it. And they can't do what you need to do right now. What you said is to create uh, or understand there's different rhythms. You know, uh, mm -hmm. you think you would ever get attracted to the administrative lifestyle and maybe someday be uh, an associate dean, a dean, a provost, uh, president of the university? <laughs> <laughs> um, my daughter, when, you know, our recent UTEP president was being hired when they were doing the search for that, um, my daughter wanted to know what this, what was happening as we were talking about this process. And, and she said, why aren't you being considered for chair? I mean, for a president of UTEP. And I'm like, well, <laughs> like she just thought I should be president of UTEP. Like, and I right. told her the reasons like, well, <laughs> no, I don't have that sort of experience or background. And she said, yes, you do. You'd be a great president of UTEP. Um, that said, despite uh -huh. my daughter championing me <laughs> for something like that, um, I really don't have any interest in in serving any role besides being any administrative role besides being chair um and that's that's an honest answer you know i i thought long and hard about being chair because of course we're not required in this department to serve as chairs mm -hmm. um 
but I've seen the advantages that we've had in having good leadership within the department. And, you know, you're, you know, a great example of that in the last four years where you've been able to take us as a department. And I wanted to, you know, continue um, that trajectory um, in some way. And so the reason I, you know, I decided the reason that I don't want to be something other than chair or some other administration position, because I think that as chair, I could affect, you know, the department that I will be working in. Right. And that's, that's important, right. That it's, that it's, it's not that I'm just going to make decisions that are self-serving, but to have a healthy department is good for all of us to have a good department um, and a department that advocates for students and advocates for faculty and that um, continues to grow mm-hmm. um, and that also is able to show to the world what we do because, you know, we're a unique program, right. um, I think is, um, is beneficial, right? Um, and if I could be a part of that, I'm happy to do so. Um, there's probably benefits that are similar to serving in, in a role as dean or provost or anything like that. I'm sure one can make a similar argument, um, but I'm not interested in serving those roles, right? Yeah. I'm, and I thought that I would, be, I would be able to do, to be chair because I had done other service in the department. And so I understood some things about running the department um so yeah no i this is not this is not a stepping stone to um to doing something else it's not 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 the plan i know um when i started the year before i started i read this book called uh, the department chair primer i think it was called i forget yeah i I have it because you told me to read it yeah, I, and uh, it was it was helpful. <laughs> I think the most helpful thing was it, it told me not to worry about the first year. The first year is going to be challenging, and that was really good advice. Yeah. But uh, have you read any other books that that uh, or or how have you researched uh, uh, this position? Have you have you looked into things uh, that seems to be almost something everybody reads, like the seven uh, habits of highly successful people, or any of those other texts that. Uh, that, uh, that, that are supposed to assist uh, one in uh, running an organization? No, I've been <laughs> reading a lot of Kafka. Kafka oh, will no. come in handy. No, I'm just kidding. I said that for your benefit because you, right. you teach all the, the Kafka classes. Um, no, I haven't, I haven't read leadership books. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, my, my answer to that question is, I think that reading poetry, you know, <laughs> is probably partially good training because you're read, you're 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 learning to read critically and with nuance, right. um, and to think carefully about intention and tone. And I think, I think being able to really, I I know I just pulled it out of nowhere (laughs) Um, because I'm trying to, I'm trying to replace the, uh, you know, the things that I didn't read with things that I read regularly. 
But I, but I do think thinking carefully about, you know, what's being said and what's being suggested is going to be part of my job. Um, and to think critically about what's, what's coming my way. Um, and to not necessarily have to, um, have a knee-jerk response to things mm-hmm. or to immediately take action, but there can be time for consideration. I think poetry really teaches you that. Um, and I really do believe that. Like, I don't think that taking a poetry class is only about writing poetry. I think it's about thinking about sort of larger viewpoints beyond your own. It's not just about self-expression, right? So, no, I I will likely never read a <laughs> self-help book about leadership. So I'll just put it out there, um, which doesn't mean that I'm not interested in leadership, right. but I think that those books are maybe geared to something else. And I don't know if I always love the prose. Like, I don't know if I can subject myself to some of the writing that's there. But if you have a recommendation for something besides the the department chair uh, primer, which I've- The Art of War. <laughs> okay. Which I've never read. Um, no, but the, the book that you recommended, I started reading it. I think there maybe were like a couple of things so far that I found useful, but you know, it's a, it's a little, it's a little bit of a dry text. Right. You know, one of the things I've always admired about you um, is you have uh, one of the best BS detectors I, I know of. <laughs> like you see right through it immediately. And you, you know, you question things. And uh, one of the most <laughs> challenging things about being department chair uh, is um, knowing the difference between urgent and not important. And I'm using Stephen Covey language here because I did read that book. Right. <laughs> uh, Do urgent, you recommend it? Uh, you know, it, it, if you want a model on which you can use to cut through more effectively or as a practice BS that doesn't need your attention, it, it is a little bit helpful because I think a lot of administrators, especially their first year, spend a lot of time addressing urgencies that aren't important. Mm. But I think you have that natural ability. Like I said, you have a BS detector that 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 is admirable. But one of the most challenging things is to know the difference between urgent and not important and urgent and important. And I'm wondering if you're even starting to get a sense of that by these emails you probably are getting right now that people know that you're there. And if you're able to distinguish between not necessarily BS and not BS, but what is important for the department and for you as, as a poet and a scholar, and what is important to whoever is writing you and think somehow that you should fit into their narrative. Yeah, of course. I mean, I think, you know, um, I think it took it took a long time for me to figure that out, even as a writer, you know, like, what should I be focusing on? Or, you know, who where I should be sending my work where I shouldn't right. be sending, you know, there, there's, there's a way there's a way in which you have to know how to utilize utilize your time. And yes, I've been it's true. In the last few weeks, I've been invited to a million things. And there's like, you know, a lot of things that that are demanding my attention. And I'm not, it's not always clear to me. I've asked you, for example, um, I've asked other people who are close to me, who can give me advice, who've served as, as chairs. Um, and I've been able to, um, make better decisions, you know, about what I should focus on. Um, and I think that's going to be a learning process because you think, right. Everything sounds very urgent or it sounds like, um, you know, I should need to know or want to know about this. And then you realize that 
perhaps that's not the case. And those who have been doing it for a long time, you know, just delete the email or ignore it. Um, (laughs) And sometimes I'm also leaving myself open to the possibility that, that even if, right, even if I'm thinking, you know, even if my BS detector goes off and, and 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 I realize, oh, maybe this doesn't really deserve my attention, or maybe I don't have the time for this now, is that it's okay to um, find out about those things because I might learn something. Right, right. And I can learn either something that's really useful that I didn't anticipate, or what I learn is that it really doesn't apply to me and to us as a department. Right. Right. So I'm also like not just, you know, discarding that possibility um, and, yeah, trying to figure that out. Well, you know, one of the things that that people do when they ask to see department chairs is ultimately they're going to ask for money. <laughs> right. Right. And uh, right. Um, and one of the advantages of that is you begin to sense, and it becomes even part of your intuition, and that you could use later how not to ask for money. Right. You know, when, when somebody right. comes in, you can immediately tell, okay, they're going to ask and you can, you know, you can see, okay, yeah, this is not going to happen. And it's just, I, 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 I don't even know, perhaps I could, you know, even write details onto how not to ask for money, but, but you are going to be asked, you know, a, a, a lot. And, uh, and are you, are you, uh, you, you have a budget, you have many, many budgets actually as department chair. And uh, yeah. how, how do you feel about that? About people are gonna ask you, they're gonna say, I wanna do this, I wanna do that. Can you fund this? Can you fund that? Uh, have you um, thought it, you know, what are your feelings about that at this point? I mean, I don't know if I have a grand plan yet about, you know, how money is gonna be distributed or who's who's going to get it or if, if a, someone in another department wants to invite someone to do something. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that there's the possibility um, of, you know, departmental inter, interdepartmental collaboration, mm-hmm. right? And I think it's always good um, to, um, you know, participate in those opportunities, right? And to co-sponsor events, because I think that it's it's about um, goodwill, right? It's about it's sort of extending this, this feeling of, of camaraderie um, across departments where we're sort of doing these things together. So, um, and people have done that for, for events that I've planned in the past in other departments, they've been supportive of things. Um, but like you said, there are going to be a lot of people asking and not just people in other departments, but there will be students who want to plan things. And, and I, think, I think I'm going to try to be judicious in um, you know, how our funds are used so that they serve the greater purpose of the department and to think about you know, what our department needs first um, and you know, what are the things that we want done? So for example, to be less abstract, um, I was thinking that, you know, one of the things that we've been trying to develop in the last few years that we've developed slowly, um, but I think probably needs more attention is our, you know, 
translation studies. Mm, right. Right. So we have more than one translator in the department, um, myself included. Um, I'd like, you know, to, to encourage the development of more translation courses. But I also think this would be a really unique place to have like a small translation symposium because we're a bilingual program. So how can we, A, attract more students who want to study translation because we don't have tracks, as you know. Um, We don't have poetry fiction. So we're not going to create a translation track, but we've we've had a few students... I think we're coming on our third student who is going to um, translate a book, sort of defend a translation thesis um, or write a translation thesis or produce a translation thesis. Um, we had one, one translation thesis. We had a pers- person write essays about translation and then someone who's translating a book of poetry. Um, and I think that one of the ways to encourage more applicants who want to work specifically in translation is to bring more attention to the translators we have here. So there's on the one part to, to develop more course courses around translation um, in, in fiction, poetry, and nonfiction. Um, and then to maybe have a symposium or something, or even like a translation series, because right now what we're doing almost every time someone comes to read is we incorporate in our classes a translation component to translate the work of the person who's coming to read so that we could have a bilingual reading. And all of that is kind of, you know, done in this way informally, or, I mean, that's part of the coursework, but it's, it's, um, it's just part of our DNA. It's what we do. It's something that we feel like if we're going to be a bilingual writing, pro- we should have some bilingual component of, of every reading or event we do. So it seems to me that, you know, thinking about, um, you know, what events can take place probably after this pandemic. I mean, I guess it could be a virtual event, but I prefer it not right. to be. Is to think about, you know, if we have particular goals, like, you know, putting more focus or highlighting um, uh, translation and translators in our program and how translation functions, then to think ahead, we need to set aside, right, part of the budget to make that happen. So that whatever else comes up, I'm thinking about that. So it's an example of things like, what can we do this year? Or what do we want to do by the second year? Right. How do we get that ball rolling? Um, and it doesn't have to be a huge conference, but it's to invite some tra- translators and to think specifically about how translation functions here, which, you know, it's specific to this kind of environment where, where we're on the border, where we're naturally a bilingual I would say a multilingual um, environment. Um, and then other things like, we, you know, think about, think about how can our budget aid in developing these other things and always keeping that in mind rather than realizing, oh, we're all out of budget and we can't do something like that. Yeah, you know, you said earlier that you don't want to impose a vision, but on the other hand, you don't want to lack vision either. And of it's course. Not like, you know, uh, that translation component to our department uh, um, 
that I mean, it's it's very important not only to you know who we are as a department, but who we are as a community, where we literally literally are right now. I'm in my office, and I'm looking out my window right over there, and there's Ciudad Juarez, right? I mean, we right. are a very unique bilingual community. Yeah, I can see also if I look out my office. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if yeah. office window from home, I can see what is right. Right, and the, the the unique thing about El Paso is not that they're that we're bilingual; it's that we're not as multilingual as other communities. Like if you look mm -hmm. at New York or you look at sure. LA, we're talking about incredible multilingual communities where we tend to be mostly. I mean, not that there aren't other languages. Right. Obviously, the world is you know, uh, the world is everywhere. Uh, I mm -hmm. lived in Marshall, Minnesota, and there were Somalian communities there. I mean, so, you know, I'm not trying to in any way, you know, uh, disregard the multiculturalism that's that that you find in pretty much any world city. But we are really bilingual and mm -hmm. we translate on a everyday basis. And if we're a university that represents, and at least in part, the community, yeah, it would seem like, you know, that that kind of vision of increasing our translation component is you know is, yeah. is really important and it's also can i can i add something and it's also about learning um what other you know creative writing programs or departments are doing in terms of translation I and mean, we're not the only right. you know department who um and, and some departments have a very established you know right. translation um track so it would also be an opportunity to share, you know, what we do here with others, but have others share right. that. So I think that it's also an opportunity to think about our own um, pedagogy, right? Translation pedagogy. And also you are part of the translation community, the international literary translation mm -hmm. community, and you know people, you, you know, you know yeah. who the main players are in translation. And that kind right. of connection is really important also for the right. identity of our department. Uh, and you are so connected on many, many different professional levels. You have, you know, you know, you know, you have a community. Mm -hmm. um, and again, that's one of the things I've always admired about you is you have a very strong community. You know, you're not just a poet living, you know, you know, in, in, you know, uh, isolation with your own poetry, but you are incredibly involved with, you know, the international poetry community. Um, and so I imagine there are a lot of people in, in the poetry translation community that are very excited about you being chair because they know that you could do great things. And I imagine you're getting a lot of advice, uh, it, you know, probably some that you don't want, but a lot that you do want from these great people that you know. And, uh, you know, I mean, and then you're friends with Stacey uh, Sowards, is that how you say her name? I don't want to Correct. mispronounce it. Who is probably, Correct. if there were a department chair hall of fame, she should be in it. She is yeah, just she's... absolutely incredible. Fantastic. So I'm wondering yeah. what kind of advice you're getting from Stacey and from other people that that you're finding is is, is making you a little less, perhaps uh, a little less nervous about what you're undertaking. Well, you know, Stacey's at UT Austin now. I didn't know if you knew that. Yeah, uh, she's yeah. been there. I think this is like her second year. She started during the pandemic. Um, I mean, we can blame her for me making the decision to oh, do it. She really, really thank you, Stacy. Yeah, if you're listening. <laughs> yeah, yeah. She she encouraged me to do it. I mean, she listened to all the reasons I had to do it or not do it, and um, she thought it would be a good 
learning opportunity. And she thought that I would be really good at doing it. Um, I think that she has just, you know, continually been supportive and I've been able to rely on her. You know, I, I think about how, you know, every person who has, you know, an important position somewhere, right, where they're, they're, a lot of people depend on them to make decisions, they have advisors, right? Right. They don't, and they have advisors and often they make decisions about things that they don't know that much about, right? Mm-hmm. Um, they, they, they have to make decisions, uh, you know, about a wide range of things. So they have advisors that have a specialty in different areas, right? right? I mean, I don't have the luxury of having advice, you know, having like someone who's really good at budget advising me or someone who is, you know, this or that. But, you know, someone like Stacy, who who was chair for a long time in her department, I can't even I don't even know how many years she was she was chair. I think she did it for six years. Yeah, I think six sounds right. I think it was six. It was you know, two terms. Um, she is very, very familiar um, with, and you know, the advantage is she was here at UTEP. She's very familiar with how things work. So just being able to depend on her and kind of bounce ideas on her, or just even share, you know, insecurities and all of that. I think that has been really valuable. And I think that earlier on in my career, and I think this probably happens to all of us and maybe, you know, in particular women is I think you feel like you can't, you have to sort of know it all already, or you just have to have to have it all figured out or that if somehow you're admitting that you don't know how to do your job, if you ask for help. Um, And often we are put in, you know, we are put in these situations in a, in a kind of solitary existence where we're not mentored and we're not given the support that we need. So in this instance, I've made clear to you and I've made clear to Stacy that I'd like to, to be able to depend on you right. um, and to ask for advice when I need it, because I will certainly need it, you know? Right, right. To, to paraphrase a proverb, uh, paraphrasing it to, you know, to remove the, uh, uh, the gender bias language, uh, the, 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 ri- the wise ruler has many advisors. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. For sure. For sure. And, and uh, how long do you plan on doing this? Do you have a, a, a number in mind of years? Like I'm going to do this for X number of years. Well, I mean, I think the, the normal, the normal term is the regular term is three years. Um, I know you did it for four because of the pandemic. Um, but, but, but that normal is actually based on faulty memory. We thought that we had put in the bylines, you know, of chair will serve for three years, but it's really isn't in the bylines. That's the bylines for the directors. The chair has no limit. And most department chairs serve for like Stacy for six years and sometimes even yeah. 10 years. Uh, so yeah. there is no limit, but are, is three years kind of what you're thinking? Well, I mean, yeah, I, so that byline is probably before we we were formalized as a department, is my guess. Um, but what it I is, thought, is that I we, thought we, I thought it was three years for the byline, but right, I mean, for we, the, we all thought that. But then when we re looked at the uh, the bylines, because one of the deans wanted to collect them, uh, uh, I noticed that it was chair 
there was no limit on chair, but it was the directorships that were a three-year cycle. So we had remembered it collectively wrong. <laughs> There's no place in our bylines that says a chair right. is three years. So you can right. you can do this for 10 years if you'd like. I know. Well, <laughs> you know, I mean, um, I think the accepted norm, I mean, if we're gonna get away from like what's in what's in print, um, you know, there is no contract we sign, right? No. It's not like we're there's we're nowhere obligated. written down even what you're supposed to do. No, nowhere. there really isn't. I don't. I, I wasn't even given an official letter. I think suddenly right. it just, you know, uh, I was told I start September 1st. So there is no contract. There's nothing really official. I think the, the accepted, the, the uh, in our department, the accepted number of years or what, what we believe to be the, the term is, is three years. And that's what most people have served. And that's what I expect to serve. And I think there, I think there's a benefit. I mean, I think that there's pros and cons to serving three years. I think that you, you know, you just get started at three years, mm-hmm. right? If you have, if you sort of see the first year as having its learning curve and you're trying to figure out how to do things, and then in two, you know, second year you feel more confident, and you start implementing. So, and then third year you're gone, mm-hmm. right? So one can make the argument that the longer you stay, the more you can get done. And there's, you know, the, the continuity of, of leadership is beneficial. But the, the con too is that um, I think that you, um, you sort of lose the ability of different visions and different ways of sort of seeing our approach. And so I've seen that, you know, over the years, what, you know, each chair was able to offer. And I think that's, that could be very healthy. It can pr- produce a very healthy, right. you know, environment to have this shared governance where, you know, we have different leaders um, and that it cycles through and that, you know, I think that I'm lucky to have followed you because I can continue some of what you've implemented um, and that may be the case for whoever follows me, that they see, you know, certain things that I've done as beneficial to the department and wanting to continue, but they could also add, you know, fresh ideas or bring fresh ideas to the table. Um, and I also think it's important for, you know, the faculty in our, I think it's important for the faculty in our department to take turns right, um, right. with leadership and and for it not to sort of sit just on you know one person's shoulders um but i think it's um in the same vein i think it's important for all of us to continue to do the thing that is also brings health and stability and and you know continues our good reputation as a department is to publish and to write Absolutely. And to and to be productive in our fields. And if that if being a chair impacts that, then um, I don't think that's necessarily beneficial. Like I've I've built a certain career up into this point, um, even if it slows down a little bit for three years. I think it's important that it continue. Right. Um, Because I think that we have we have writers in our department who are just have amazing, you know, presence in the literary world and publish and, and do great things. And I want them to continue doing that. Um, But I also want to continue doing that, you know, at some point. 
No, I think three years is 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 good for creative writing, especially our department where our writers are incredibly, incredibly productive and they put, we put our work first, um, except for when we can't. Right. <laughs> right? But we, right. you know, we, we care, we care about our work. And um, I think what happens a lot is somebody gets in the administrative position and they they begin to create a pattern and that pattern is very difficult to leave. Um, because that you know, it's yeah. just, and and I think it's good to interrupt, to disrupt every three years, everything, and and reevaluate everything. So I, I totally agree with you, and we have a great faculty. Um, so far, we've had you know uh, department chairs. Uh, I served, Lex served, Benjamin Alida Sines uh, served. Um, now Rosa Alcala is going to be our chair. Um, so we have left the poet Jeff Serkin, the poet and translator Andrea Cote Botero, the Are poet Sasha uh, <laughs> Pimentel, and the fiction writer, translator Jose de Pierola. Um, these are our tenured faculty. Oh, and Tim Z. Hernandez. Um, who do you think will be the next chair? Oh gosh. Who could who could who would you like to be the next chair? I know who I, I would don't, be the next chair. I don't know. I mean, <laughs> the way that the the way we've been doing it so far, um, or we've been doing it, it has happened so far. It's been really seniority, hasn't it? It's been if you think about it, well, you and Lex were hired at the same right. time. Oh no, I my guess phone's de facto, ringing. you're right. That, oh, that has hold been. on. Yeah, you're right. That Sorry, I was getting a phone call. Oh. Yeah, you you and Lex were hired at the same time and, and Lex was chair before you were. Um, so it's kind of been that way. I mean, except for 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 our first director, um, it's sort of been like whoever has been here longest. Right. So that would and be that's Jose part of the reason left. too. <laughs> that would be Jose well, if we're yeah, if we're looking if we're looking at it in that way, of course that's not again we don't have that you know no no one signs on to this job with the expectation that it's going to work that way. Mm -hmm. um, but it was one of it was one of the reasons I decided to do it. I felt like you know what everybody else has done this you know who was hired before me, um, and I think it's the right thing to do. Mm -hmm. um, so. But we'll see. We'll see. I am not going to put a name out there. Um, I think you're trying to get me in a spot like they do when they're trying to get someone to um, to announce that they're running for president. Yeah, you, you could you could you could start mentoring now. First day of first yeah. day. <laughs> no, no, I, I understand. Know. That was that was a uh, that would be a difficult question. Would have been a it difficult is. question for me to answer on my first day as chair. But it was very clear who I wanted to be chair after me, and that was you. And so I was very, very excited when you announced that you were going to do it. Um, and I could picture who I think would be a great chair. I mean, anybody would, but um, but yeah, it's a little too early to, to talk about that. Three years- Well, can I say, go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. I was gonna say, I, I remember many conversations about you kind of like asking me if I would be interested in doing you know, all that. And then coming in, coming into my office, and I said to you, "Well, you know, I've, I've thought about, you know, um, being chair." And and you cut me off, and you said, "You, you don't, you're not going to do it." And I'm like, <laughs> "No, I'm telling you that if the department will have me, 
I will do it. But you just immediately, you just, I don't know what you read in my it face. It was too or you just good like, to be true is what it was, Rosa. <laughs> but I thought it was funny. I thought it was funny. Um, you know, um, I'm glad I made the decision to, to do it. Uh, but I don't, you know, I think, I think the easy answer is to say the best person to do it next is someone who really wants to do it and is committed right. to doing it. Um, because it's not a position that comes with a luxurious office. Like I think there have been comments about the chair, like who has who who has an office that big in academia? Mm. Um, I have the same office I've had for the last few years. I don't move into a big office, so it's the same office. I brought a plant <laughs> um, to liven up the place, and um, you know it doesn't come with a huge increase in salary, which I think people think it does, but it doesn't. Um, And you have to work during the summer, which as a professor, you don't. So whoever does it next really has to feel committed to it and feel like they can bring something um, to the table. When, When I first started chair and I would tell people that I'm department chair, if they had no connection to creative writing, in a university or even in uh, you know a, a, a more conventionally scholarly department like you know uh, literature English or something uh, if if they were connected to the university they would say oh I'm sorry <laughs> and if they weren't they <laughs> sure. would say congratulations and I found yeah. it was a mixture of both you know you know that it was sure. I'm so glad that I did it and, uh, and, you know, I don't know if I, I'll do it again, but I'm really glad I did it. And I'm really glad that you're doing it. And one of the things I know is that the community, not just our community here on the border, not just our university community, but the national poetry translator community, the international creative writing community is incredibly excited that you're gonna be chair of this department and you're going to, I know, do great stuff. And so after three years, you step down, what do you want people, or what do you want people to have said about your three years as chair? What do you want people to say about? Oh, gosh. <laughs> you know, my first day is tomorrow, right? <laughs> yes, yes. I know. These I really, are you're already projecting it like, what do you want your tombstone to say? <laughs> um, yeah, that is kind of a tombstone question, right? It is. So in, Look, in the I ideal world, I, what would be written on your chair tombstone? Um, she was an advocate for our department. You know, she, she um, was dedicated to her job and she listened to people and she tried to get things done, you know, and she put, and, and she really tried to, move the department forward and to continue the forward movement that that you that um you know that you started right i mean to continue on from there because i think many uh many of our students and faculty have been able to see what you were that you have you were able to accomplish and so um you know i want them to also think of of my tenure as chair as a continuation of this growth. Um, and so, yeah, I don't know. That's a really, really hard question. Yeah. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not great at self-aggrandizing and that it feels like I have to sort of project this sort of triumph, triumphant 
you know, end where I've done all these things and I'm like doing like this. <laughs> um, I will say that I've been, I was really blown away by how many people congratulated me when it was, when you were so kindly made the announcement on social media. I think many of those people are in academia and know what this entails and know that it's not all glory um, and know that it's not necessarily a promotion, right? I've had people who are not in academia say, oh, you got a promotion. I was like, oh, it's not really a promotion. Um, but I, I, it really made me think about um, the importance of it, you know, the importance of, of being in this position and not just kind of downplaying as being like, okay, yeah, it's going to be a lot of work, but just that, that to see it as an opportunity um, and that others are excited and they're rooting for you. Right. Right. They're not, they don't want you to fail. So I think maybe at the end of three years, I want them, I want to feel like um, those who are rooting for me um, are proud of, proud of what I've been able to do and proud of our department because it's not just about me, right? right? Sort of see, see, see the impact of that, that I've had. And there are limitations to what you can do as chair, as you know. So I can't promise like I'm going to, you know, make this the, the, the most competitive of all of the, I, I can't make those promises. Right. There are limits to what I'm able to do, but within those limits that I've been able to, to think um, creatively and proactively of, about what I'm able to do and not to make, not to make promises that are too big, you know, that I won't be able to fulfill at the same time. Right. Well, I, like the rest of the community, uh, I know you're going to do a great job and that you're going to bring us into a, a new future. So thank you so much for your service. Thank you for your service. <laughs> and uh, Rosa, we Abdullah, like, are thank we you for to... joining me on Words on a Wire. Thank and you. It's, it's such it's a great program. Get you on the show again. Um, and uh, uh, I wish you the best of luck. I think, I think this is an indication, I hate to say this, but words on a wire are usually poets reading their poems if I'm a poet talking about being a chair. <laughs> so do I, don't, have, I don't know what that augurs, but yeah. Do you, do, you have a, do you have a poem yet about being department chair? Because I want you to read that on the air if you do. <laughs> Everything's research, right? For a writer, everything's right. research. So That's inevitably right. it, will, it will enter the writing. Yeah, well, thanks yeah. again. And I'm Daniel Chacon. Thank you for joining us on Words on a Wire. Mm -hmm.